listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. And if you'd like to follow along in the four volumes, you can go over to Tan Books, and when you buy them there and use the code PODCAST15, you'll save 15% off at checkout. If you'd like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook to the group Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and you'll be able to interact with other readers and listeners as well. Today is day number 70, and we are reading from Book 2, Chapter 13, Paragraph 607 to 614. We will conclude the chapter today. 607. Something has already been said of her other gifts when speaking of the gifts in general. But since all that we can understand and say is so far beneath that, which is really to be found in this mystical city of Mary, there always remains much to add. The gift of counsel in the order given by Isaiah follows that of the intellect. It consists in a supernatural illumination by which the Holy Ghost touches the interior, enlightening it beyond all human and ordinary intelligence, and thereby inclining the soul to choose all that is most profitable, most decent and just, and to reject all that is of contrary kind. It leads back the will by the immaculate and eternal laws of God to the standard of one single love, conforming it to perfect desire of the highest good. Thus, divinely instructed, the creature lays aside the multitude of the diverse inclinations and the foreign and the inferior affections and movements that may retard or hinder the human heart from listening to or following the divine impulses and counsels, or that may prevent man from conforming to the living example of Christ our Lord, who in highest counsel has said to the Eternal Father, Not my will be done, but thine. Matthew 26, 608. The gift of fortitude is the participation of the influence of a divine virtue, which the Holy Ghost communicates to the created will, in order that it may be happily encouraged to raise itself above all that is passing and all that is wont to inspire human weakness with fear and temptations, sorrows, tribulations, and adversities. Overcoming and vanquishing them all, the will acquires and maintains in itself all that is most arduous and excellent in virtue. It transcends and surpasses all the virtues, graces, spiritual interior exaltations, revelations, sensible ecstasies of love, no matter of what degree and excellence. It leaves all behind and soars upward in divine flight until it reaches the highest and most intimate union with the supreme good after which it longed with the most ardent desire. Then in truth flows the sweetness from strength. Judges 14.14 Having conquered all things in him that strengthened it. Philippians 4.13 The gift of signs is an intelligent and unerring knowledge of what must be believed and done in regard to the virtues, and it differs from counsel insofar as science selects while counsel decides. Science forms a correct judgment, and counsel makes a wise choice. Science differs also from intelligence because intelligence penetrates into the divine truths of faith and virtues by means of a simple intuition, while science knows authoritatively all that can be deduced from the principles of faith, conforming the outward operations of the faculties to the perfection of the virtues, and being, as it were, the mother and the root of discretion. 609. The gift of piety is a divine virtue or influence by which the Holy Ghost softens 
or as it were, smothers or melts the human will, moving it to embrace all that pertains to the service of the Most High and to the welfare of the neighbor. By means of the softening and sweet mildness of the mind, our will is ever ready, and our memory always attentive, so that in all times and places and circumstances we are ready to praise, bless, thank, and honor the highest good. And likewise we are moved to act with a tender and loving compassion toward creatures, without failing them in their troubles and necessities. This gift is not hindered when it meets envy, and it overlooks hate, avarice, and spurns weakness or littleness of mind. For it causes in man a strong and delightful inclination by which it proceeds swiftly and lovingly to fulfill all the works of the love of God and the neighbor, making them benevolent, ready to do a service, kind and diligent. On that account, the apostle says that the exercise of piety is useful for all things, and that it has the promise of eternal life, being a most noble instrument of charity. 6.10 In the last place comes the gift of fear, so highly praised, exalted, and recommended in many places of the Holy Scriptures and by the holy teachers as the foundation of Christian perfection and as the beginning of true wisdom. For the fear of God before all other things resists, banishes, and destroys the arrogant foolishness of men. This important gift consists in a loving heedfulness and a most noble modesty and restraint by which the soul withdraws within itself, making it conscious of its own majesty and greatness of God, not attending merely to its own sentiments and preventing it to be wise in its own conceit, and thus filling it with awe as the apostle teaches. Romans 11.21 this gift of fear has its different degrees. In the beginning, it is called initial, and afterwards, it becomes filial fear. For first, the soul commences to flee from guilt as contrary to the highest good, and then it proceeds still farther in its self-abasement and self-contempt, comparing its own littleness with God's majesty, its ignorance with his wisdom, its poverty with his infinite riches. Thus, finding itself in all things dependent on God's divine will, it humiliates and subjects itself beneath all creatures for the sake of God, acting toward him and towards them with a sincere love. It finally reaches the perfection of the sons of God and arrives at the intimate union of its power with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. 6.11 If I should dilate still more in the explanation of the gifts of the Holy Ghost, I would far exceed the limits which I have set. And I would have to extend disproportionately this discourse, that which I have said of these gifts seems to me sufficient for the understanding of their nature and their qualities. This understanding will enable us to properly consider how these gifts of the Holy Ghost were possessed by the Sovereign Queen of Heaven, not only in an ordinarily sufficient degree, such as commonly possessed by other saints, but that they were in this lady in such an excellent and privileged a degree as would not fall to the lot of the saints, nor be proper to anyone inferior to her in sanctity. Having then understood in what holy fear, piety, fortitude, science, and counsel consist, and in how far they are gifts of the Holy Ghost, let the human estimation and angelic understanding dilate. Let them soar in thought to the noblest, the most excellent, the most perfect, and the most divine. Greater than all this, and above whatever else creatures in their entirety can conceive, will be the gifts of Mary, and the lowest of the perfections of Mary will be scarcely within reach of the highest that can enter the thoughts of man, just as in the same manner the highest perfections of Our Lady and Queen attain only in a certain sense the lowest of Christ and the divinity. 
Instruction vouchsafed by Mary, the Most Holy Queen. 612. My daughter, these most noble and excellent gifts of the Holy Ghost, which thou hast come to understand, are the emanations of the divinity, communicating themselves to and transforming the holy souls. On their own part, they do not admit of any limitation, but only on the part of the subject upon which they act. If the creatures would empty their hearts of earthly love and affections, although their heart is limited, they would participate without measure in the torrent of the infinite Godhead, through the inestimable gifts of the Holy Ghost. The virtues purify the creatures from the ugliness and guilt of its vices, and thereby they begin to restore the disconcerted order of its faculties, which was first lost by original sin, and afterwards increased by actual sins. They add beauty to the soul, strength and joy in doing good. But the gifts of the Holy Ghost raise these same virtues to a sublime perfection, adornment and beauty, by which they dispose, beautify, and fill the soul with graces, and introduce it to the chamber of its spouse, where it remains united with the divinity in a spiritual bond of eternal peace. From the most blessed condition, it proceeds faithfully and truthfully to the practice of heroic virtues, and laden with them, it returns to the same source from which it issued forth, namely, God himself. In his shadow it rests and is satiated, freed from the impetuous fury of the passions and their disorderly appetites. Such a happiness, however, is the lot of few, and only by experience can it actually be known who does attain it. 6.13. Take heed, therefore, my dearest, and study profoundly how thou canst ascend to the height of these gifts. For it is the will of the Lord and mine that thou ascend higher up as a guest in the feast which is prepared for thee in the sweetness of his blessed gifts, and to which thou hast been invited for the very purpose of this excess of liberality. Referencing scripture passages Luke 14.10 and Psalm 24. Remembering that there are only two ways to eternity, the one which leads to eternal death by contempt of virtue and ignorance of the divinity, the other which leads to eternal life by the profitable knowledge of the Mosai for this eternal life, that men know the way to him and to his only begotten whom he sent into the world. The way of death is trodden by innumerable wicked ones, Ecclesiastes 1.14, who are unaware of their own ignorance, presumption, and insipid pride. To those whom his mercy calls to this admirable light and whom he engenders anew as sons of light, God gives by this regeneration a new being in faith, hope, and charity making them by his own and heirs of an eternal godlike fruition. Having been made sons, they are endowed with the virtues accompanying the first justification, in order that as sons of light they may perform corresponding works of light, and over and above they receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And just as the material sun denies its light and warmth to nothing that is capable and fit for its influence, so also the divine wisdom, emitting its voice on the high mountains, on the royal highway, and in the most hidden paths, invites and calls out to all, and hides itself or denies itself to no one. Proverbs 8.1 But the foolishness of men makes them stupid and deaf. Their impious malice makes them scoffers, and their unbelieving perversity turns them away from God, who wisdom finds no place in the malevolent heart, nor in any body subject to sin. 6.14 Thou, however, my daughter, 
Remember thy promises, thy vocation, thy aspirations. For the tongue which lies to God is an abominable murderer of the soul. Wisdom 111.12 See that thou do not pursue death in the error of this life, nor draw upon thyself ruin by the work of thy hands. Canticle 2.4 As by the divine light thou hast seen the sons of darkness do. Fear the powerful God and Lord with an humble and a well-ordered fear. And in all thy works be governed by that master. Make thy heart gentle, yielding, and docile to discipline and works of piety. Judge things according to the true value of virtue and vice. Animate thyself with an invincible fortitude to strive after the most arduous and exalted and to endure the most adverse and exacting labors. By discretion, choose the means for attaining to these results. Give way to the force of the divine light by which thou canst transcend all sensible things, rise to the highest knowledge of the hidden secrets of divine wisdom, and distinguish between the things of the new and of the old man. Then wilt thou be made capable of partaking of this wisdom. For then thou wilt enter into the wine cellar of thy spouse and be inebriated with his love, and his eternal charity will be well ordered in thee. This concludes our reading today for day number 70. We've been reading from book two. Chapter 13, paragraphs 607 to 614. Now that we have refamiliarized ourselves with the gifts of the Holy Spirit through this chapter, well, what is the aim of these gifts that God has given us? They're to help us on the way to the kingdom of heaven. God gives us these gifts of the Holy Spirit to assist us each and every day of our life so that we might grow in knowledge, that we might grow in love of God, that we might understand the divine will, that we might worship God with great love and great charity. These gifts of the Holy Spirit, then, as we also heard, help us to live a more virtuous life as we root out vice and as we live according to the ways of God. We wish to be faithful. We've heard today in the instruction of the Blessed Mary that there are two different types of ways you can get to eternity. One by which you don't really believe, and the other by investing yourself completely in all that God has offered us. That's what we want. We want to become aware of, we want to receive all right now, so that we can know God in this life that we might live with him forever in the kingdom of heaven. One of the virtues, it said, the exercise of piety is useful for all things and that it has the promise of eternal life, being a most noble instrument of charity. The promise of eternal life. Well, what is our piety? It's our worship of God. It's an instrument of charity, of love for God. And so we ask the Lord to infused to give us a greater knowledge of his ways, that we might know him better, that so that we can love him more in this life, and again, that we might love him for all eternity. We also heard at the very beginning of our reading today the use of the word science. And in my reading of this, I would have to understand that this means the gift of knowledge, that we're referring to the science or the knowledge that God has given us. And we hear a little bit about it. 
The gift of science is an intelligent and unerring knowledge of what must be believed and done in regard to the virtues, and it differs from counsel insofar as science selects while counsel decides. Science forms a correct judgment, and counsel makes the wise choice. Science differs also from intelligence, because intelligence penetrates into the divine truths of faith and virtues by means of a simple intuition, while science knows authoritatively all that can be deduced from the principles of faith. So science we have there, and also intelligence, knowledge, and understanding. The knowledge we must attain is believing in the things of God that have been taught throughout the centuries, knowledge of the dogmas, knowledge of the moral life, and understanding then penetrates into the divine truths of faith and virtues. So we come to understand more deeply. Once we have that knowledge, we need to be able to understand. We ask today that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, might be given the gift of knowledge so that we might have understanding. And in understanding, that we might have reverence and piety and fear of the Lord, wanting to love him all the days of our life and to love him for all eternity. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm so grateful that you joined me today. I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you and Mary pray for you.